the geek shall inherit the earth. Thank you. Yeah, really well, thank you. Really well. Good, good. Oh. Yeah, thanks for seeing me a bit earlier. I was uh, I was ready and I was cosy and I just finished eating. So I thought, well, why not relax with a little podcast action? Uh, why not? Exactly. Why not? And how's your evening been, all right? Yeah, really, really good. Uh, I'm a little bit busy at the moment. I'm uh, all over the place. Uh, but yeah, good. I'm just having a very brief couple of hours of just... All I have to do is just speak to people virtually. I don't even have to be there. It's great. It's great. I, I love love all this Zoom stuff. I, I wish it had been around 10 years ago. It had been so yeah, much easier. Well, no, I mean, it was. I mean, you know, we used to use Skype quite a lot when I was younger, but it's uh, it's now it's so much more mainstream. Like, meetings are like this. is great. It's just not, not like late-night D&D rambling over Discord. It's like, instead, it's actually having productive meetings it's all professional yeah. it's professional to be a geek now it's great it is you know it's brilliant to be a geek and you know people used to sit sit and they kind of pretend not to be geeky and kind of not shout about it whereas now it's like no i'm a geek and i love it i love films i love D and love i love all of that so yeah uh, and when you get the likes of superman henry cavill playing tabletop games and D and and everything you kind of think yeah it's got to be pretty cool if Superman's yeah. doing it. So. Yeah, completely. If it's good enough for The Witcher, it's good enough for, That's for it, exactly. Did you see did you see The Witcher, the first series? I loved it. I loved it. Oh, I had no idea what to expect. Perfect. Isn't he just perfect? He's so good. He's so good. I, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. It's just a shame that Netflix don't kind of make two seasons, see how the first one goes, and just chuck the other one out straight away to yeah. kind of you know, yeah. have have the baying mob put at rest for a little bit. Completely. Honest. It seems, you know, it seems a much smarter idea to me to to smash out two seasons while you've already got everybody, especially for something so new like that. You know, The Witcher, I mean, as it happens, it was, it was perfect at a time where you had a bunch of Game of Thrones fans that were so thirsty and desperate for, you know, that kind of style, like fantasy and a bit sexy, but, you know, were so left high and dry after that finale. You know, they, they needed like a great season to come and sweep them all up. Um, but it's got that, it's got gamer fans in, in, into it and just everybody else. It's such a great series. I can't wait for the next one. Oh, no, it's, it is so good. It's, it's, I, was, I wasn't expecting anything massively brilliant, but I was mm. absolutely blown away with it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought, I thought the whole cast did really, really well. And I liked the way that it was, it was kind of planned out as sort of mixture between past, present and future, but without being obvious. And you're kind of thinking, well, hang on a minute, this isn't making sense. And then the further along you get, you kind of think, oh, 
that's yeah. great. It just kind of it just exactly. clicks then, doesn't it? It just kind of clicks, which is great. What are you drinking? Coffee, tea, hot chocolate? Lemon and ginger tea. Oh, yeah. You feeling the bounds of the weather? No, well, yeah, I more just want to kind of stave anything off. You know, yeah. it's it's cold and suddenly my nose is running and I'm just like, I just so desperately don't want to catch corona. So if I yes. just just make sure I'm, I don't catch a cold and then my immune system won't be low and then I just won't catch it. Um, just fingers crossed at this point. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit anxious about it all, but I'm yeah, just trying to kind it's of got stay. Everyone a bit, it's got everyone a little bit on edge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I've never been, never been worried about being sick before. I mean, this probably has something to, to do a bit with getting a bit older, but, you know, I, I think I've always had a really good immune system and very, very, very rarely ever got colds or coughs or anything like that. Never really been seriously ill with the flu either. So, you know, I've, I've never been worried about being sick because I've never really been sick. Um, yeah. But now there's just, I've just got too much to do to get sick right now. That's what I'm worried about. I've but got too got, much going like, on. You've got so much on your plate. It's crazy. I mean, yeah. you kind of got so much on your plate. Um, let's talk about the video you did last night then before we, we do anything else. Because obviously you did, did two videos last night. You did a, a, like a 20-minute video. And yes. then you managed to condense everything. In. <clears throat> um, talk, about, talk about that. Talk about what it was that you, that you launched last night. Because that was really, really exciting, actually. Right. So last night I was absolutely delighted to announce something that I've been working on for about two years um, with fantastic director Pat Higgins, who was the original creator of the concept for uh, a movie you might be familiar with, Strippers versus Werewolves. Um, it was his original project, uh, as, as happens, uh, I think, a, a little bit far too often in the, um, the the indie film industry. I think projects kind of get changed hands from hands to hands and, you know, a writer gets his work bought out, it belongs to the film and then, you know, how much of that can change. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of that happened to Pat, which was a shame because, you know, 10, oof, 10 years ago, I'd read that script and I was in love with it. His writing is fantastic. I mean, I want to put up on, um, uh, you know, online for everybody to see that the original script is so far from the movie that we ended up with, uh, but it, it, it was fantastic writing. So, uh, it, you know, quite a few years had passed and we got back in touch because, you know, it, we, everybody kind of left that project very, very sore. Um, and we got back in touch and he he was telling me about uh, a script that he had, which was kind of, you know, more along the lines of what Strippers versus Werewolves should have been. Yeah. Um, and that project uh, was called Power Tour Cheerleaders versus the Boy Band of the Screeching Dead. Um, you can imagine how oh, immediately I was hooked and in love. Um, and yes, absolutely, Pat, we have to make that. Um, so we we decided we we didn't want to go down the route of kind of finding investors and you know uh, kind of all all that business for various reasons. And we just really wanted to have full creative control. Um, and you know, given past experience, you know, just wanted to make a movie that was so true to his inspiration, so true to his idea. Um, and we were talking about it for about two years, and then I think the um, a couple of months before the pandemic, we just thought, well, screw it, let's let's start thinking about doing this. Let's let's make this movie. Um, you know, we're life is too short, and 
we've just got to crack on. So, uh, you know, 10 years from strippers versus werewolves, we have all have better filming equipment ourselves yeah. than, you know, we were hiring in back on strippers versus werewolves, you know, like some technology has moved on so, so much. Um, you know, and we, we know I've been working in horror movies for, well 10 years uh, and I have so many contacts and so many favors to pull in so uh, we decided we would make our own damn movie we decided to make powerful cheerleaders versus the boy band of the screeching dead uh, all by ourselves um, nearly with a little bit of extra help from the kickstarter which went live yesterday um, and the <clears throat> idea of doing a kickstarter was we knew we were going to make this movie but we wanted to make it better i think is is kind of the way i'd i'd put it we we wanted to uh kind of take everything we knew we were going to have you know we were basically we have enough to shoot this movie but we wanted to kind of upgrade it in various ways um you know make sure that instead of just uh going and, and grabbing bits that we can destroy from a charity shop actually investing in proper costume design um and <clears throat> making sure i don't know if anybody's familiar with the uh the special effects from strippers versus werewolves but we'd like it to be a little bit better than that uh and i'll leave that there <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah it, 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 i'm sure anything you do will be better to be fair. That's very but, diplomatically put. Yeah, it's very diplomatically put. Um, I mean, I still enjoyed the film anyway. I still mm -hmm. thought it was great anyway. I, you know, I love that sort of stuff. I love um, all those types of horror films. I, I, liken, I liken them to how horror films should be. Mm -hmm. You know, like from the 80s and 90s. Like, cheesy, right. suspenseful, but it has an actual point where the payoff comes. Whereas now, if you look at some horror films now, you just think, well, I already know what's going to happen. Right. Beats the object. Like when I, like, I watched The Barge People. Mm -hmm. and oh, that's uh, Charlie Steed's movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah and, I'm dying to and, see that. and I was like, oh my God, this is like, this, this is how horror films should, this is how mm. they should. And <clears throat> when I, um, when I saw Dead Air as well, which is how how I got in touch with you um, via Pete and Jeff. Right, um, yeah. Because I, I met them in with, with David, who... Oh, David <clears throat> says hi, by the way. David Shaw. I spoke to... The, I interviewed David a little while ago. He mm -hmm. said to say hi when I spoke to you. Oh, um, I love David. He's brilliant. He's so good. He was very complimentary about yourself and Mr. as well, uh, about <laughs> James. He was very complimentary. Um, We're very complimentary about him. This is one of my top five people to work with. He's he's just brilliant. We had such a laugh. I think we were supposed to be doing a cast for for about half an hour. I think about an hour and twenty minutes later, we was like, I'm I'm really sorry, I've got to go now. <laughs> and I was like, it's fine, it's fine, no worries. But yeah, um, I've lost my train of thought now. But yeah, so when I saw Dead Air and and Pete sent me the when he redid like a bigger script and he sent me that to have a look at and it was fantastic. Mm. I loved Eddie. I know it's only a short film, but I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. And the visual effects that get put onto you is unreal. It's nuts, isn't it? I saw the side by side pictures and I was like, that is no way her. That is, it was. That is not her. <laughs> it definitely was. But you know, it was it was very easy. People talk quite a bit about having you know prosthetics done and how how hard it is, and you know it, it's a real tough slog. You got to sit there for hours. 
I went to sleep. So I basically, because we had to start really early to start full shooting days to make the most of this prosthetic. So I, I was basically like getting up at 3 a.m., padding down into Jeff's kitchen where all the special effects guys were. And I'd plonk myself down with a cup of coffee. And within about five minutes, I was asleep. Uh, and I'd wake up, you know, four hours later and I'd be a monster. It was fantastic. And it, it was so soothing. I just sort of started delicately massaging and applying things to my face. And I was gone. It was lovely. It was like a spa day. Like a spa day. I was about to say, it sounds a bit like it was a spa day and then sort of wake up. Oh, I'm a monster. Oh, it's time to get to work. It was fantastic. No, I mean, obviously I complain about it a lot on set. It's an actor's job to do that. As anybody who's ever had prosthetics, you have to walk around being like, this is, this is awful, this is bullshit. But actually, I, I very much enjoyed it. Because yes. you have to. Yeah, have to I, guess, I guess when, grueling. you know, to be an actor, you sort of have to go through those sorts of, those sorts of, I'm trying to think the best word for it, pains, I guess. Yeah, oh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I love, I love having prosthetics done. I, then if start, people, people start touching my face or my hair, I just, I clock out, I go to sleep. So I think some people are just very well suited to playing monsters. And I think that's probably, probably me. I've, you know, I, I'd be very happy not to play a pretty girl again if I could just have lots of prosthetics and spend half of my time that I'm being paid being asleep. I mean, yeah, if you can get paid to be asleep, that's great. <laughs> How did you how did you get into horror films? Because it's not your atypical genre of films to go into, really. Did you kind of slip into it or was it just it's a genre that you just love? Uh, well, both. Um, I think I've always, always been in, in performance in various, various forms, you know, throughout my my life um you know I was I was a bit of a child brat actor uh and then you know I had a bit of a gap whilst I was studying um but always always you know in all the school plays and things um and then you know went went off and did my studying went off to you know to do my training um and I I never thought I was going to be the kind of actor that played Lady Macbeth I was never kind of down that very classical route and I've done various bits um but it's never been it's never been I think something I felt like I fit into um you know I, I know lots of phenomenal theatre actors and and you know for them it is it is so inherent in them that is what they are uh but it's it just I always felt kind of like the odd one out in, in that situation um and I think growing up in London you know so many filmmakers it's such a hub of people that are just drawn to the media and you know you, if you grew up in London you know loads of creatives loads of people at film school and I did you know I, I had so many mates that were making student films very exper experimental art films um, and you know I just kept getting called in to, to help them out really so I started doing lots of student short films um, and by that point I kind of started you know doing my acting training and you know, I was doing various, various odd bits of work with them. I was also doing a lot of kind of theatrical, kind of weird alternative burlesque stuff. Uh, I was doing a bit of fire breathing and sort of weird, um, sort, sort of sideshow act stuff for various nice. like, alternative cabaret. Um, and, and then, you know, the more I was finding myself, you know, pulled into the kind of filming world, you know, all of my, my student filmmaker mates that were doing like, I mean, truly uh, terrible projects really at the time, suddenly they grew up and they were filmmakers. 
uh, and it was beautiful to see but you know still I get I get the odd, odd call to come in and do bits and pieces with them uh, I got my first proper feature role um, whilst I was actually performing uh, at a charity event um, and the the filmmakers of Strippers versus Wells saw me and then they went to go and see one of my short films um, and, and got me in, involved in that and from that point on I was doing just loads of horror one after the other you know once I think once you're in something like strippers versus werewolves um you know you have uh people that want somebody who's been in that kind of project because you know you naturally have people who are interested in you so one thing very much led into another I very briefly uh dabbled in in the world of sort of gangster hooligan films yes um, yeah I see you did a couple did a couple yeah. of gangster, Essex boys and, and yeah. whatnot yeah yeah, I think again, you know, it's it's not something I'm I'm closed off to. It's just that horror is such a good, rollicking, fun thing to do. Um, I absolutely feel like I found my people within that industry, and that's that's not to say I wouldn't I wouldn't love doing you know theatre at some point or like to go off and do a fantasy TV series. I mean, I think there's just you know two actors in the whole of, of London that, that have never been in Game of Thrones and I think that's myself and Danny Dyer um of course I'd like to to go and do something fun like that but uh horror movies is is something where I feel like you can truly as an actor have so much creative input you can be so part of the process um you can be you know constantly changing in what you're doing because god knows when you're on a low budget sometimes you have to kind of change your entire plan for the shoot just on a dime um and that's what i like is the kind of fly by the seat of your pants flexibility just turn up on set never know what it's going to be like um and i think i thrive in that kind of chaotic environment yeah you prefer to prefer to sort of just turn up and think right what can we do today well we're doing this but what if we did it this way are you right do you find that directors are quite open to that in, the, in those sorts of films? Are they quite open for, for creative criticism, I guess, or creative input? Uh, pretty much all, all, every horror uh, director I've ever worked with have, have been really open to interpretation. Um, the one that I, I think I, like, not open to interpretation experience I ever had was on uh, the... Um, the Myco film that I did, Pandemonium, and that was because I said to MJ, how would you feel if I did a Geordie accent? And he said, do a Geordie accent. And he said, I don't think you should do a Geordie accent. Um, so that's kind of uh, <laughs> the limits to... Can you, can you um, do a Geordie accent? I, I, I'd rather not. It's, I think <laughs> it's, it's offensive to, to everybody involved. So <laughs> better enough. than I don't... <laughs> Fair enough. Can you do can you do many accents then? Do you find that it's easy to be able to sort of switch your your normal speaking voice to to, to whatever is needed then, like American or or Irish or anything like yeah, that? Generally, I mean, I've got a couple of of American ones. It tends to be if, if I can, not necessarily easily. You know, some actors they can pull them on and off like cardigans you know they're so so quickly and and easily but i i find that if i listen to it for a little while uh i can slip into it that yeah. that way uh, i've got a couple of regional americans a couple of british regional accents my geordie to be honest isn't that bad it's 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 like a very very bad impression of cheryl cole it's it kind of borders on this is my life this is not a movie and that's that's basically as good as it gets 
So I try to kind of make sure if I'm doing an accent that I listen to it for quite a while before I start doing it. Yeah. Um, so, so as not to massively offend other people, really. That, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Do, uh, have you got any anything coming up where you're going to have to do accents or you're going to have to kind of maybe think about doing accents? Or are you just going to sort of wait and see? I don't know. I might ask Pat if he thinks I should do a Geordie accent. Um, nothing that I can think of. Oh, I might have uh, something coming up. It was supposed to be this this year, um, but was postponed uh, a film with Richard John Taylor and that was I think an American accent um, but obviously everything is all over the place at the moment with filming yeah. and everybody's projects have been postponed um, I, I tend to with, with the Essex Boys films I used to get quite uh, regular requests to do um, quite Essex style accents I'll say Essex style um, yeah. my mum is actually from Romford so I just try and channel uh, that kind channel of your inner mum but basically, I just imagine her, you know, bollocking my, my bad life choices. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> it's usually along the lines of, oh, I, can't, I just can't believe you've disappointed me again like that. So you re really, you know, just 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 sad, really. Very Eastendery. <laughs> basically. Very Eastendery. <laughs> Have you ever thought about getting into in doing like mainstream television as well? I have. Um, it's it's one of those things that I keep thinking. Oh yeah, well you know it'd be nice to have uh, not just the kind of regular income, but uh, as well a part that you kind of see change quite a bit. You know, and and have that kind of long progression with a role. You know, when you start any project like a film or a, a play, you're kind of done. In, in a certain amount of time um, and that, that character you know you you can interpret it however you want or however the director wants you to but there's you know once it's done it's done and I think with something like a tv series you know you to keep it interesting they have to constantly evolve and change their characters um, it's definitely something I'd quite like to do but it would have to be something very suited to to my tastes I mean I I very much you know I, I knew I was always gonna do do some something within horror you know even even when I never could have dreamed that I would have been I think so well received in yeah. indie horror the way that I have been um you know I, I always loved the the, the genre I, I grew up watching old hammer movies because my mum was a bit obsessed with Christopher Lee and uh, so it was always something that you know I, I always wanted to emulate you know even in all the performance stuff I used to do when I was you know my teens and early 20s I would always imagine myself like these hammer glamour girls you know that were like these beautiful dying butterflies across the screen just constantly floating and dramatic you know like those old Spanish like dramas I loved them uh, yeah. so it was something it was a genre I always wanted to go into I just never quite expected that I would fit into it quite as well as I have I'm very comfortable here good it's, it's good that people find their comfort zone and they and it's something mm. that they can really flourish in have you got a favourite horror film? Have you got a favourite one that you really enjoy? One that one that you haven't starred in, like you said, Old Hammer films. Are there any sort of any of those that are your favourite? So it's very difficult when somebody asks you what's your favourite film because oh, I hate so... it. I hate it when people say, "What's your favourite film?" I'm like, I can give you my top ten, but it changes yeah, on a daily basis. 
it's it's very very hard there are there are films you know that i will i will always think are one of my favorites because they're so iconic to me you know so left such an impression on me in various ways i think you know out of my kind of favorite old movies you know if we're talking hammer you know i I love twins of evil uh it's such a beautiful movie uh and i think it's quite interesting you know watching the performers in it and that you have peter cushing in it uh, and it's his first role after he loses his his wife after he lost his wife uh very very tragically and i think there is such a dramatic shift in his performance in that movie from anything else. And as, as you can see in the progression, as he starts to lose his daughters to this, this you know, demonic virus, uh, you know, you see him, his just the sadness in his eyes and it's so real and it's so painful. And I don't know whether it's knowing that information of what he was going through at the time that makes it more painful or just, just how good his performance was. I think that's a very special, yeah, it's definitely one of my, my favorite horror movies. I love Fright Night. Um, yes. I, I love Fright Night. Um, and I think modern horror movies, American Mary, I think is probably one of my favorite modern horrors yeah. in, in recent years. Absolutely fantastic by the same makers of Ginger Snaps. Um, I loved Ginger Snaps. It was Snaps. not the same makers, it was uh, Catherine Isabel, right? So yes. she, was, she plays American Mary. It was the, um, the makers of it are the Soska sisters, the twins. They are fantastic filmmakers. Um, and they're really, really like involved in the horror community as well. Uh, it's really nice to see. So yeah, I think that's that's a really nice, unique uh, take on kind of revenge porn that I've uh, I've found recently. Um, and the Love Witch, that's another one. I could tell you all of my favourites. I could tell you every movie I've ever seen. I, you know, that I've enjoyed a bit. But I've, those are kind of my main top four. I would say that have been okay. remarkable. Okay. And uh, have you got a favourite role? that you've done a favorite film or a favorite project you've been involved in that's a good question um so something that i really enjoyed playing was uh the part that i played in black mass which was scott lias's short um i was given so much creative freedom with that part um scott basically you know he wrote a very rough character description and he said to me you know i just want you to bring everything to this um and that was such a pleasure and because it was a very intense shoot as well and so we were all sleeping on location and you know i think i was very very involved with that character and felt very very closely connected to her um so i think you know it gave me the chance to kind of stretch my my chops a bit uh performance wise i really enjoyed that um i think in terms of just zaniness, Dead Air, I loved. Uh, it was a pretty, pretty monumental uh, film for me in my life. Um, it looked like an absolute riot. It like everyone it had was, such a good time. It was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, you know, the, the days that I was in Monster Face, which was only a couple of days, like, uh, but it was, um, it was so weird because the way that people interact with you when you are terrifying (laughs) is very weird when you're used to being you know vaguely pretty girl on set people are very nice to you and they they, you know they talk to you and they smile at you and they bring you cups of tea uh but suddenly when you look like a grotesque she-demon um from the depths of hell um people don't want to spend too much time talking to you um 
and it was quite lonesome really because for quite a, a, a while on, on, on set you know people kind of distance themselves you can see them creeping away and I'm underneath there and I'm just like look I'm, I'm, I'm in on this banter I know what we're talking about I'm involved um, and it was quite lovely really because uh, at the time uh, James Hamer Morton who is my, my partner now is uh, where we met was on that film yeah. so he, he you know could see that I think I was in quite a bit of anguish um, locked inside this layers and layers and layers of latex in front of my face um, so he did sort of kind of come and, and sit and try not to look at me but just sort of <laughs> sit there and keep me company which is lovely um, so yeah at least at least I had had some lovely company um, and yeah mostly I just fell asleep to be honest when I was in that in that kind of situation no one no one is talking to me I just have a little nap um, I, I must have spent more time sleeping on that film than anything else that's got to be one of the perks of doing it I guess it's great. <laughs> perks of doing it. And so, so you don't obviously just do acting as well, do you? You do lots of other stuff. And I can see a book ever so slightly to your right hand side, Escape Room Puzzles, just on oh. the very corner. Strategically um, placed. Strategically placed, yes, because that's something that, that, you, that you kind of do now. That's, you know, that, that's where you go and do that now, don't you? You have your own escape rooms. They're virtual as well, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I uh, own and run a, a little boutique chain of escape rooms um, with kind of multiple different themes and rooms within. Um, and I've been doing that for, for nearly three years. Uh, really fantastic kind of way to spend my time is again I get to be very creative build things build little worlds and have people come and kind of experience them which is great people you know they start their games our escape rooms tend to be very immersive so people the moment they arrive you know we, we greet them entirely in character with a mad sense of urgency and sweep them up into uh, our world uh, and so suddenly put them at the center of their own adventure and what I love about that is because being an actor I am so used to being very Charlie centric uh, you know, anytime I go on set, it's like, oh, Bond's arrived. Okay, well, you know, like I'm so used to being, you know, a, a very, it's, it's quite narcissist, really. It's a very, very strange industry where you are constantly, you know, looking at your face and scrutinizing that at the back of a camera and going, am I pulling a weird expression? And oh, I better don't take, you know, like it's such a weird self-obsessed profession. Uh, and, you know, you're watching films about you, that, you know, you've created a character. It's very, very weird. It is wonderful to create worlds for other people to experience and put them at the center of an adventure you know people who don't necessarily work in the arts to kind of have them experience art happening around them as they're solving puzzles and interacting with characters uh so that was what i was doing right up until the start of um there was this kind of minor event that happened about six months ago which meant everybody wanted to stay indoors um, yeah. it was just that uh, and had to shut all of the premises. Uh, so we had uh, all of these venues that were empty, um, couldn't go in, couldn't, couldn't see people. So what we did is we decided to, as quickly as we could, try and make virtual versions of escape rooms. Um, and it was mainly so that we could kind of gift them to our, our customers, anybody that, you know, we'd had booked to come and do the yeah. escape rooms for the next few weeks. Uh, we wanted, instead of, you know, refunding them and cancelling their game that was booked, we wanted to kind of encourage them to keep their game, uh, but maybe just reschedule it. So we'd say, well, you know, if you, if you don't necessarily, you know, demand your money back right now, we'll send you a free copy of this virtual game we've designed to give you something to do during lockdown. Um, 
was only ever meant for our customers, but uh, suddenly it went a bit viral uh, and the independent covered it, the stylist magazine covered it. Uh, and we're, now we're being played. I mean, I'm just catching out the, the corner of my, my phone because I, it lights up every time I can see somebody interacting with one of our characters in it. And, um, you know, we're being played across Africa and Israel right now. It's, it's That's really amazing. wonderful. It's wonderful. It's, it's having that kind of reach and, and being able to kind of enjoy it. It's not the same because I don't get to like experience people's reactions. Yeah. Um, but knowing that we've created something and that people are just killing some time right now is is a really good feeling the inner the inner actor in you or the outer actor in you that wants to be able to physically see their reactions yeah. and engage it and completely completely and we have reopened uh you know you can come and do an escape room right now and i, I urge you because you know escape rooms are usually small businesses so you know if anybody listening has ever thought about doing an escape room now is a really good time to do one because people are desperate to have you um but uh it's a little bit different for us at the moment because previously we would do these these massive in character briefings um and because of social distancing now it's very difficult for us to do it you know people have to wear a mask uh we have to wear a mask so it's you know we try to include it a little bit and we try to make it almost costume and fun but it's very hard so you know we're not quite you know doing our 15 minute stand-up routine before we chuck you into a room instead we have a little video and we try and do a little bit of interaction so it's not quite the same and i think yeah my my both inner and outer actors are massively frustrated uh, at the kind of lack of our usual interactivity but it's nice to be back up and running it's you know we've been running games today it's nice to have people back and start bringing money back into the business much needed good good and where can where can people do bookings or where can they do the the online version where can they get all of that and do all pay for it all that and kind of do the bookings and stuff all from our website, which is deadlockedrooms.com. Uh, so there you can go to Deadlocked Rooms and you can see our venues. Uh, you can see our virtual games from there. So deadlockedrooms.com. I have to say that in a really weird, stilted way. People think we're called Deadlock, and that's a different company. Um, but we're, we're Deadlocked Rooms. Uh, we also have a wedding escape room company, uh, which is another little string to our, our weird little multi-puzzle bow uh, in that we take a personalised love themed escape room to your wedding uh for all of your guests to play uh all based around a couple you know with all all of their kind of fun details and quirks yeah. in um so we yeah we, we basically we run it all from that site um and uh yeah we we have a, a few different really really great games that we've you know i say really really great uh i think they're great um but they're great and well reviewed so hopefully other people think they're great too but we have a couple that are our kind of own original games. We recently just released one with the men's health charity, Movember, which has been great. Um, it's all about kind of reaching out to your friends um, of any gender, but it's it's kind of highlighting male suicide rates, but not in a kind of bummer way, because that's not a fun game to play, but basically just highlighting how important it is to stay in touch right now. And I mean, Movember are such a phenomenal charity they do so yes. so so much um and you know so much of their funding goes directly right to the cause so what we um to researching uh the causes of kind of the, the main uh male cancers uh and men's health and mental health um and obviously you know everybody knows when it comes to to movember you know all, all chaps who, who can grow beards can uh take part in the movember challenge where you know you, you don't shave for, for all of november and everybody 
um, sponsors you. Um, but obviously this year, with people not seeing each other, not so many people have been doing this challenge. So Movember have been looking at other ways to fundraise. And one of the ways that they're doing it is with one of our escape rooms, which is lovely. And that's also gone out worldwide, which is nice. So we've had lots of people, lots of Australians actually at the moment playing, yeah. playing our game. Yeah, it's great. That's awesome though. What made you get into escape rooms then? What made you sort of do that as well and add that to your, to your ever-growing talents? I think um, it was quite a natural progression from, you know, alongside doing horror films, I was doing a lot of immersive theatre, um, you know, a, lo a lot of uh, kind of in, in the round theatre, you know, where you're, you're performing amongst people. And I think being that close to where you actually see how people interact with an experience uh, is it's very addictive. Um, and also you know I'm, I'm a gamer so grown up playing lots of, of kind of puzzle games uh, and i think you know the idea of of bringing puzzles and games into immersive theater i mean my my kind of i'd say passion is the gamification of theater so making shows where people can properly properly impact the outcome uh, and that's kind of how we like to do our escape rooms so all of our escape rooms are multiple ending you know there is no win lo lose scenario you win in various ways or you lose in, in various ways uh, and things that you do actually impact your outcome throughout the game um, you know we're making micro adjustments as we run it to, to kind of figure out how your kind of ending is going to go it is bespoke um, and it's unique and that's what I really like it sounds a bit lovey and a bit you know, a bit poncy, but you know, I, I love when art is unique and experienced yes. once and never to be seen again and like sad, but, but lovely um, and, and personal. Oh, so I think. I think we, um, you know, James, James and I uh, pulled together our company Deadlocked and we're going for, yeah, nearly three years. That's amazing. It's going, it's been going for so long and it's still doing really well. And you've been able to, to, adapt and adjust and go down the virtual route as well and and obviously uh, i guess the media really helped <laughs> being picked up by by big media like the independent kind of really helped how did that happen was it just like someone had passed it on to them or i don't know i i wish i could find out so that i could do more of it um yeah. but i honestly have no idea it was entirely organic um, and I think once, once uh, it was, I think it was Stylist magazine that was first, and then The Independent, and then the BBC actually after that. And it just, yeah, I mean, I would, I would love, would love to find out. Um, but it, it just, we caught, caught some attention. And I think it was because we were doing something that was pretty unique at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, at a time where there weren't events uh, and people weren't, there wasn't a lot uh, going on in the news apart from all of the rubbish stuff. So, um, you know, I think when something like that got out, um, yeah, I think uh, we had a few people that wanted to to cover, if not our escape room, but, you know, virtual escape rooms in general. It's quite a new new field, but it's, yeah, now, I think people are so bored of doing quizzes, quizzes online with their friends. Um, yeah. I'm not, I haven't managed to do too many this, this <laughs> lockdown. So, you know, if we go into another one, I'm, I'm probably going to try and do a few more. Let's hope we don't go into another one. Mm. Hope we don't go into another one. That would, I, I think it would, it would probably destabilise the entire economy worse than what it already has. And 
you know, with, with everything that I, that I see, I've got plenty of friends who, who I talk to on, on Facebook and who I'm friends with in, in the industry, like yourself, mm. um, who, 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 you know, are, are being royally shafted, I guess yeah. is probably the only way to put it. Um, yeah. scapegoated as well I guess and you know they're not very tactful in their in their way to to do it so I, I hope we don't and I hope that everything picks up soon because I'd love to yeah see. yeah it is it's horrible because there's you know there's half of me that thinks if we were to go into lockdown then at least people wouldn't be interacting you know I, I get yeah. so so mad obviously you know I'm aware the impact that things are having on on kids right now but you know kids are so much stronger and smarter than we give them credit for and I think you know whilst it's terrible that they're not all seeing their friends I feel like we've opened up the schools too early because I, I you know obviously I'm not I'm not from a medical background but it doesn't make sense to me that we're not interacting and our kids are and uh, you know, not my kids. That's I don't. Uh, well, I, I've I don't got need to two. Do with young people. I, I've right. got two, and my my young is having to self isolate for two weeks because someone in his school bubble uh, has confirmed COVID, and yet my you know my other son he can still go to school. It doesn't and it's make like, any sense to me. How does that make sense? Mm. Like seriously. I just don't, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, living in the same household, but one can go to school and one can't. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Um, I, I think that there, the main cause of just so much anger in this country right now is just lack of clarity. And I get that, you know, the government really don't know what they're doing, but I, I feel like they, I feel like it, it would be more honest as a as a leader to turn around and go we have no idea we're, we're doing our best i think yeah. you know the british will always always vote for the underdog and i think that when we know that somebody is just doing their best really you know we, we have a, a bit more patience and a bit more sympathy yeah. um but it's this this kind of we know and well, well even though we changed our mind you know six hours ago we know what's best for this country and we you know have these great catchy slogans I think that's what makes people so angry um, and confused. And anyway, it's a rubbish, rubbish time. It's a rubbish, yeah, time. It's a rubbish time for people. It is. It really is. The irony of the government slogans are that they get ripped to shreds and memed mercilessly the second they come out. And it's like, <laughs> why bother? Why bother? Because the memes it's are so much better than the right. original. I've seen but, so many of the of the Fatima one today. I've not seen about a hundred different ones um it's just yeah it's, it's just yeah just james a, actually created a uh, fantastic one that was boris sat at his computer uh you know with the teletubbies on it and it was it was it had more shares on it i think than anything any horror movie like either of us have ever done um and suddenly it was very weird because we you know out of interest i was like you know we've got a lot of retweets you know of this and this is quite interesting i wonder how many people have kind of taken it as their own because i i quite often share a meme or whatever and i don't yeah. necessarily think about the artist which i thought was quite interesting because you know james had, had created this and i never ever think about who who actually makes you know the, yes. the, this yeah. kind of viral content um and so i google google image search just like boris 
Fatima, Teletubbies. And it was the first one. And I was like, that's crazy. And it wasn't linked to James whatsoever. I was like, it's been shared so many yeah. times by so many other people. It's, it's got, it's lost its source entirely. Um, yeah. You know, and I was like, and it was quite a self-reflective moment about how, oh, you know, it's so much more to the arts than we really think about, you know, in, yeah. in the graphic design and, you know, people who actually make these things for a living instead of us who are just all sat at home making them because we hate the government. Make them because we hate, yeah. I mean, I, I, I make memes for my, for my geek page, part of my, my podcasting. And I, and I learned, I made one that, that has probably got about 15 million retweets and shares and whatnot. And I learned that way. I thought, you know what, I, I need to create a logo and hide it somewhere in the image. Mm. If someone does steal it, they can't crop it. Right. And crop out the logo so yeah it's mm. it, it is it is weird how you know memes can just go viral and you don't even realize you kind yeah. of put it out there you see what it's come from you but then if someone else takes it and shares it and then someone else does it it kind of just explodes out there right which is interesting because i wonder if the girl who was in the the photo of that you know the stock yes. photo yeah uh, you know, I wonder if she has any idea because I, you know, I had a look at the artist. You know, I, I uh, tin-eyed the image um, and found the artist. Um, and, you know, she's in Atlanta in the States. And, you know, I think it was her sister's studio or cousin's studio that was opening up. Um, and, and it was a picture of, of someone in her family. And I thought, I wonder if this girl, who is definitely not called Fatima, yeah. I, like, I wonder if she has any idea that this picture that was taken of her you know, has been used in this way. I mean, she probably does now. Oh, I imagine she probably does now, definitely. Has alerted her. Um, but, you know, when you think about, like, source of, of art, when you, you know, I've done various shoots for, for people's stock stock image portfolios, and I, I dread, to, dread to think about how, you know, what weird companies have, have used me smiling and pointing at a clipboard. <laughs> um, but these things, these, my, my brother actually is... Um, is a model and he uh he has done a couple of shoots like as a coffee barista and now any kind of small startup coffee company i tend to see him uh in their kind of stock <laughs> images just just you know looking looking at coffee really yeah he's that quite be really weird beard so and a little you know blonde man bunny just he looks like the he, i mean he just looks like everything that is a coffee barista so i can see why he just keeps popping up stereotype in there usually mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but you're not wrong you're not wrong <laughs> he does love coffee um i mean but yes yeah. So yeah the world is bleak right now but there are small delights and that you know you can find people's old embarrassing stock photos absolutely and there is a challenge for anybody listening to go out and find go out and find stock photos um <laughs> your 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 kickstarter where can people donate to your kickstarter uh, so we have a very nice, easy, memorable link, which is jinx, J-I-N-X dot UK. Uh, if people would like to uh, if people would like to donate to Power Tool Cheerleaders versus the boy band of the Screeching Dead, just head on over to Jinx, J-I-N-X dot UK. Um, we have, and I know everybody says this about the Kickstarters, we have some amazing perks. Um, we've tried to be very different with what we offer as real rewards um i love a good dvd t-shirt bundle yep. and i've done done enough you know backings of my, my friends projects over the years and acquired quite a few um but we've tried to make ours something that you feel like you've got a bit of ownership of within the film um 
you know, we, we are booked to send all the cheerleaders, you know, for kind of training. So they look, you know, in shape and looking, you know, like cheerleaders, uh, we've sent them off to cheer camp. Uh, and one of the perks on our Kickstarter was to basically back uh, a day at cheer camp um, and, you know, kind of have that kind of in insider information. And it's the, the idea of knowing exactly where your money is going towards, I think is really interesting as a, as a you know, uh, fan myself. When you, I think, actually know what you're backing, those are the kind of perks that have been the most interesting and the most interacted with. You know, we've got a, a couple of things like, you know, come along and be a, a, a body for the day or um, uh, come and, uh, you know, have a line here or there um, in the film, you know, as a, a line of dialogue. We're not that sort of production. Um, no. We're not Hollywood just yet. Uh, but, you know, we, we're offering these various uh, perks that kind of are very, very personal to us. Um, so some really great things. But of course, uh, T-shirts and DVD bundles as well, um, because people love them. I love them. Yeah, I got, when I did, I did the Dead Air one and I got a DVD, I got a T-shirt, I got signed A3 or A5, sorry, picture of everyone's signature and I got some buttons, some little pins as well, which I have on one of my other hoodies. They have such, they had such good merch. Those T-shirts were fantastic. That image They were awesome T-shirts. Really I, I think it's actually in the wash because I wore it to my radio show last night, Tuesday. Yeah, last night. But it's nice. in the wash. Yeah, it's right. so we I love it. I, I love it. I, you know, I, I love all that stuff. And it was yeah, a yeah, absolutely. You, you know, you collect it and you feel like, you know, it's, it's kind of unique, you know, it's limited edition. It's not like wearing a t-shirt from, I don't know, Top Man, where, you know, you'll see somebody else out wearing it, you know, it is unique and it's something to talk about. Um, one of my favorite perks actually for our Kickstarter. Um, so as I'm not sure if I mentioned, I'm not sure if I've actually spoken about any, anything to do with this film, uh, just babbled about me and silly puzzles. Um, but uh, so the, the film itself is a musical. It's a musical, it's a gory musical horror comedy. Um, and one of our perks are, uh, after we finish filming, uh, we are going to put on a show. We are going to put a, a gig on basically featuring all of the songs from the film uh so for 100 pounds if you back us for 100 pounds you can get two tickets to come and see us perform um and we can't guarantee that it'll be good uh because <laughs> it will be a load of uh, actors all, all pel belting out all of the songs that we've enjoyed singing throughout the film um but i think it's i think it's gonna be fun i think it's gonna be great i mean we have some fantastic songs that are in it um you know we we've been really enjoying listening to to pat's uh, kind of rough versions and then recording them ourselves and uh, to be honest so many of them i just prefer pat's versions um he he's honestly an absolute genius songwriter um so yeah we're gonna put together this this gig i'm hoping lots of people go for that so we'll have a full audience we've got a few got a few but there's still a few left um and we'd like quite a nice nice good audience of people to yeah. kind of sing all of our, our songs from the musical too and i don't know maybe cover each other in fake blood today whatever sells more tickets awesome that sounds wicked that sounds and did you get did you get past the uh that you put on facebook this morning i believe it was um 16 was it 1660 it was at a yes. certain point and uh it was yeah, it was to do with Charles the, Charles the First losing. 
Parliament. Right, 1646. That's yes, it. I uh, I love numbers. Um, a funny thing about numbers, and uh, I think I I get a bit fi fixated when I when a number is is uh, familiar to me in my yeah. head, like something like uh, so. This this one was. Um, 1646 uh, I think um, and it was the year that Charles I was defeated by his parliament and I, I was like I, I need it to go over uh, uh, what's good 1660 that was when Charles II came into power um, and he brought the restoration of the theatre and he brought women into theatre for the first time because before everything was played by by chaps um, and you know he brought uh, a theatre that could accommodate the wonderful iconic uh, actress that was Nell Gwynn um, and I you know I think it was it was just for me every time we hit a milestone and I get a number that I recognize previously to that it was 1605 which was the year of the gunpowder plot yeah. and I was like oh I'm happy if we stay at this one for a while it feels like a nice comfortable time thinking about <laughs> you know those sorts of events in history um but then realized that was a very anarchic way of thinking and I must shift that mindset this time maybe we need something a bit anarchic at the minute who knows mm. I think so just... but I have to keep those thoughts to myself at the moment because um I, uh, I, quite an exciting thing. Yeah, I'm talking about lots on my plate. Um, haven't actually formally announced this yet, uh, but I um, am going to Moscow in 10 days um, because it is the International Horror Film Festival taking place in Moscow. And I have been selected to receive an award, uh, an award for my international services to horror films for the past 10 years. And That's I amazing. Yes, I am very, very, very proud and very, very excited. So, um, and it's it's quite uh, a bit bit sort of last minute because uh, they didn't know if, we, you know, if, if I was going to be able to come over yeah. and uh, if it was going to be, you know, if they were going to be able to run, but they are going ahead. Um, so in 10 days, uh, I am and James coming with me. We're going to be flown out to Moscow. We'll have about four days of sightseeing and uh, checking out some of the festival. And then on the Sunday, I think it is, uh, being driven to the award ceremony to go and pick up my award in Moscow. And I'm very That's excited amazing. about it. amazing. That will um, take pride of place at home, I would imagine. It really will. It really will. I've never won an award before. Um, no. No, never. I've been in so many films that have been on the festival circuit I've, because I've, I've done so many shorts and usually for these things you know people get nominated for best director and obviously they have best best actor categories yeah. I've just never won one um but I, I've never won an award um and I yeah I, I'm quite quite proud that it's quite a it's quite a fancy one international services to horror that's, that's quite that, that's huge that, that's that's very fancy so quite looking forward to that, but you have to be very careful on social media because uh, when you apply for a Russian visa, so they, you know, they're taking pretty, you know, care of pretty much everything um, to get there. But applying for Russian visas is intense. They um, they grill you about everything, you know, where your parents were born and if there's, you know, if they're still alive, then where do they live? If they're dead, where are they buried? It's very, very intense. Um, and uh, then you have to give all of your social media profiles. And I'm pretty gobby on Twitter. And I've, I've tried to dial it out. I got very angry uh, about politics yesterday uh, with the, the Fatima meme. Um, yep. I was quite vocal about that. I couldn't really hold my tongue, so to speak. But I um I've been trying not to not to say anything that's too provocative, lest yeah. I get to the border and they just say, she's trouble. She's, <laughs> Don't she's let too, her in. She's too active. Um, I've been trying to keep a low profile. It's very difficult when you've got to promote an yeah. absolutely mental movie 
uh, like power tool cheerleaders versus the boy band that was screeching dead please donate um, um i'm totally I, you know what I, i'm totally looking forward to seeing that i i am going to donate um i want i want merch i'm going to donate so right. i can get merch as well so i will i'm going to update finish. a special merch one yes just for you i'm going to update a special merch bundle awesome that will be great and i will and i genuinely will i said it to, to pete and to, to jeff when when I spoke to them in Reading, and literally before I'd even got to my car, I got a message from Pete say cheers. Mm. I'd done it as I was walking to the car, so I will That's I lovely. will do it. So I will do it because I believe in in you know films, independent films, films in on in, in that sense because I genuinely believe that they're better films than you see for the likes of Netflix or Amazon that don't have any heart, any soul. Whereas independence, they have that. They have it in an absolute abundance mm. and get overlooked time and time again. So, no, I definitely... Yeah. It's true. It's, it takes a lot, a lot of passion, I think, for the, for the genre, especially, especially in horror. You know, it can, it can be gruelling. And, you know, I am the first one to, on a night shoot, be shivering and going, oh, this is rubbish. But the minute the camera is on, I love it. And the yeah. minute, you know, the, the filming stops, I'm like, oh, God, that was such a good time. I think there is such a camaraderie in horror actors. You know, we're all so used to it. And that was a big part of wanting to make Power Tool Cheerleaders versus the boy band of the Screeching Dead. Uh, I think we, we wanted to make something and get a load of horror actors, you know, people who we'd worked with that, you know, are all fantastic professional people. Uh, it's, it's not easy being on horror films. I know I keep talking about being asleep all the time, but when I'm not, uh, it is, it is tough. Um, and, and it, it can, it's very often you're, you're doing night shoots because it's cheap, you know, or free to get a location if you're shooting at night and, you know, it's exhausting and, and you're doing the same thing with the same energy over and over and over again for each take. Um, and it is tough. But when you work with people that have been doing it for a long time, you just snap into it and walk straight onto set and, you know, you're just, you're there, you're part of it. Um, so we wanted to get people that we just would have a fun time with. And I mean, God knows, Pat and I have, have both worked with people that are, have been difficult i think to, to work with you know people who come with a bit of ego um and i, I we we just as want we wanted to make the the, the anti-ego project yeah. uh work with people that were just lovely and and people that we loved um and and we've managed to do it you know we've got some some cast upcoming to announce um but you know currently we have some some brilliant brilliant girls playing our cheerleaders uh, and I, I really i think of them as a squad already you know we we're constantly chatting and constantly talking about what we can do and you know how we can kind of you know bring more of a kind of i don't know cheer spirit to yeah. to the production um and you know just just kind of stand up so we have danny thompson playing our cheer coach and she's so so right for it you know she's she's got this real like pissed off i used to be a cheerleader but now i'm just gonna absolutely you know hate on all of you but still gonna make you the best in the world type yeah. vibe uh she's she's great um we've got liz Souter, who is uh, a newbie to horror films um I've, I've worked with her previously um carrie thompson uh who i actually worked with i did dracula at the leicester square theater with her and i was playing lucy and she was playing mina and at the time she had such uh 
just an absolutely spellbinding effect on me. I was like, at that point, I was in love with her. I was like, I just, I, w- I want to be you. You have such a captivating personality on set and on stage. Um, and uh, she, she's absolutely bringing that to power to our cheerleaders. Uh, we have Faith Elizabeth as well, who's someone I've, I've wanted to work with for a long time. Uh, after I saw her, uh, the film that she produced in Flight, um, and we have Megan Rose, who is a, a newcomer to the, the horror genre. She, she's a brilliant, brilliant performer, um, very musical. Uh, so we have a really, really great lineup of our cheerleaders. I think people are going to fall in love with them hard. I am. So. <laughs> I can already tell you. I can already tell. I can already tell you. <laughs> so in love with them. But it's and, good because it's passion. It's, you know, it's passion for a project. And that's what, that's what you want to see from someone who's creating a film you want to see passion you want to feel that passion and you know the love for what they're doing which is great yeah i think we we love this project I've, i'm already already thinking i was you know we've got to make a sequel out of this because i think this is going to be an iconic um but the franchise written all over it right right i'm just, at the moment i'm in talks about doing a comic for it it's one of the that uh, would be amazing interesting perks yeah yeah i think I so i think it would so. Lend nice itself really well that to that. Great, that'd go down right. really well. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. So yeah, we're we're kind of de- just developing the idea for it. Don't know if it'd be something we do as a perk or if it'd be something that we do as like a, you know, a, a spin-off or or something. But I think that it's one of those things that just lends itself. But um, yeah, I mean, to summarize, really, the arts are absolutely in peril at the yeah. moment. Um, it is very very difficult to support them as well you know nobody knows how you can support the arts really there are lots of funds lots of theatres that are you know just just begging for donations to, to keep the, the lights on um uh, you know there are many many ways to help but right now we are creating some art um we are trying to make something that people can feel involved with you know we want to keep people involved at every step of the way you know if, if you donate to this film you genuinely join a little family because we can't do this you know the way that we want to do it without people um so without people donating without people sharing um and i I think you know when when people do get involved with this even if they just follow us on our our social media accounts they'll be part of it and part of the fun and because this is going to be you know we've designed this project to be as fun as we can make it it'll be fun to shoot it'll be fun to watch and i'm hoping people are going to enjoy watching any behind the scenes stuff that we do because i just know we're going to be having a really fun time and right now that's what we need you know we need it and i think we collectively as people need it Definitely. I think everyone needs to have a little bit of fun and needs to sort of, yeah, just take a step back from the seriousness of mm. the world at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when we're all going back into shops, hopefully, you know, you'll be off to, able to go off and buy it, which will be nice. We were all yeah. kind of going on entirely unnecessary shopping binges. Um, to buy loads of bog roll and flour and yeast that no one's ever going to use. Did you do any baking during lockdown? I did loads of baking during lockdown. Yeah, I, I, I learned to bake. Uh, what did I bake? I baked, um, I baked five different types of bread. I learned how to make Cubanos. I'm obsessed oh, with Cuban yeah. food. So I made authentic Cuban bread with an authentic Cuban filling. So I, I researched, I, I watched the film Chef and literally fell in love with Cuban food thanks to John Favreau. And right. I, I 
decided to sort of find, follow a little breadcrumb trail to this little tiny um, website in the back end of nowhere on the internet where it's an authentic Cuban recipe for both the bread and the filling. Oh, nice. So then I went on a, I went on a journey to find all of the, the fillings. And yeah, I, I did a two-week starter left it there and let it ferment for two weeks and then I made the bread and oh my god it was the best thing I've ever had. I'm so impressed. So yeah I've done all of that I've made I made blondies yesterday that lasted about 20 minutes. Right. Made, made my own caramel homemade caramel like a big mason jar full of it now. But yeah. I don't know if you just heard my stomach rumble very <laughs> audibly. I've no. got a very good microphone, so I was a bit worried about it picking up. It was definitely a but it approves of your choices, basically. Good stuff. Good. Yeah, no, I've done lots of baking, but I wasn't one of those that went out and snatched everything shelves at Tesco's or whatever. Mm. No, I, I didn't do that. I didn't get a chance. Too busy still working. Good. Glad to hear it. We had the um, the opposite at uh, at the escape rooms when when the lockdown was just just begin. Well, not not when the actual physical lockdown happened. When the pandemic uh, started, when people started hearing these these words, you know, coronavirus, COVID nineteen, uh, people were just starting to get the the TP craze, yeah. uh, the mania that ensued, and people were coming to do our escape rooms. And normally we have a really great you know relationship with our customers once they finish a game you know we'll have a bit of a debrief session we'll talk we'll laugh it's great they would come and, and play a game and we have a, de- a debrief and then suddenly they would go oh i'm just gonna nip to the toilet before we go and you'd see them grab their bags and they would creep upstairs to our, our loo and they'd come back down and i could see that they'd nicked our toilet roll like I that's could, ridiculous it's difficult to know what to do in that situation to go uh sorry sorry have you just stolen all of my toilet roll uh, and they, they had it into their coats or um in, yeah into their bags they found our cleaning cupboard so they absolutely cleared us out of cleaning supplies people people would just come and they would they would just stop and help themselves to hand soap to uh bleach to um some i think some mum's net thing put out that zaflora was antiviral and killed viruses so we have lots of bottles of zaflora for cleaning the room we just had people like clean us and because i really love it as well i've got like a touch of granny in me so i really like sniffing this you know um, okay antiviral detergent stuff um so i yeah we would just have people clearing us out of our supplies and our toilet roll and i was you know that's toilet roll that we buy you know that's buy it alongside our home toilet roll so we were getting like cleared out of loo roll people would come to do our games be like can we use the toilet and we'd have to be like well we haven't got any toilet roll um or they'd go and find out the hard way because the previous person had nicked it we were just in very embarrassing situations and then we, we didn't have any because you know we normally just take it home from work ourselves yeah. uh so it was yeah it was very very difficult people got absolutely obsessed we didn't do much baking i'm not very good at baking um but we did brew beer Lots of beer. Yeah. So we made a pilsner, um, oh. a nice sparkly, sparkly beer. Uh, we made a, uh, a pale ale, like a classic American pale ale. Um, and a, yeah, I would say sort of a slightly flatter lager. Um, so, which is quite fun because the uh all the yeast from that you can then turn into making bread and i yeah. tried that a few times it's very time consuming um i have a lovely baker that lives down the road and makes french bread so it just seems it seems silly a silly waste of my time to do it i make make beer and then take yeast to him he can 
can do what he wants with it. Yeah, let uh, him do what he wants with it, yeah. Basically, yeah. Uh, so it sounds very, um, you know, stuffy and, uh, you know, oh, I brew my own beer and then I take my yeast off to the local French baker. Uh, but ba basically, so I don't have to bake. I'm a terrible baker. I like cooking a lot because you can kind of, you know, work your way through, you can taste things, you can go, oh, this needs a bit more salt, it needs a bit more acid, it needs yeah. more sugar. Um, but when you have to just put everything into a bowl and then put it in the oven and hope for the best, no, I don't like that approach. No. It's too scientific. <laughs> I have to have to trust myself, you know, trust that I've done something right and I just, no. I, yeah, can, I can't break a bit that, up and That's eat the it. creative spontaneity in you and wanting to, to go out and do everything. You don't want to follow the rules, you just want to do it and... I think it's probably that mixed with I, I just like to eat while I'm making things. And yeah, you know, see, that's the downside. That if you're making cookie dough and stuff, you just want to raw cookie dough is like I don't know what it is. It makes everyone want it. It's sensational. Yeah. True story. It is. <laughs> Fantastic. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've not been doing much baking. Been a been a rubbish <laughs> lockdown baker. Um, but yeah, beer brewing. I've enjoyed. I hope I hope to keep doing a bit more of that um so when we're no longer locked down so much yeah. i'd love to have a beer like have a have a like enough space to be able to brew my own beer and, and be like a craft beer like i don't know a knobhead really hey brew dogs started out that way and look what they're look how they're doing now that's true that's true and i love you know, i like brew dog i love brew dog i love their it it's just funky like all of this funky I, the first time I tried Elvis, I was absolutely blown away. And then I had Mr. President, which is like 10 cent lager. Mm. I was like, oh my God, where has it been my entire life? Because it's amazing. Yeah, they are fantastic. And the bars are, are just brilliant. And we, ha we have a local one. It's actually our local pub because we live very, very close to the town. And, and so, you know, our nearest pub within five minute walk is a brew dog bar uh we're very very lucky and the staff in there have gotten to know our tastes so well that we just go in and they just go we've got this new thing on tap not even gonna you know not even gonna tell you about it just gonna bring you one um yeah. and okay good all right we'll just pay for it fine that's fine whatever uh and they they always get us just spot on they are really like connoisseurs they really train their staff really well i think it's um the cicerone uh, bar training that they do that's okay. very um like they they know so much about beer and the origins of beer and the origins yeah. of flavor and beer um that they are very very good at kind of very quickly sussing people out and immediately going this this is what you want this is what you need it's great trust us drink it yeah i like that i like it when people take decisions out of my life and just go <laughs> yes, i'm just gonna take care of this for you there you go just drink drink your beer that's, that's the one you want okay thank you very much Yep. Love it. You're not even going to moan about it. And I love it. No. I think I'm, I'm that kind of person in general. That's what I love about France. When you go there, you can go and have like set meals, you know, yep. like any, any bar or restaurant, you know, you go and have a set meal there and they don't ask you what you want. You know, you just have the, the fixed, whatever's going on. Yeah. And then you sit you down, there's a glass of wine. Your food is coming. Great. Good. Minimal interaction. I'll just have what's being given. I'm sure it'd be lovely. <laughs> yes, it is. Great. Here's, here's my money. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm very, very easy. I, I don't, I don't like thinking, you know, overthinking too much about food. I, yeah. I very much like it when somebody just takes that out of my hands, food and drink, because that's what you're having. Hopefully, I wish we did that a bit more often in this country. Can you even imagine? 
honestly. Yeah. The Britishness in us would be like, no, 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 hang on a minute. I need to see right. the menu. Right, I need to make a big show of looking at the menu, knowing full well I'm just going to order exactly the same what thing you that want. I order. <laughs> it's Curry Club, it's a Tuesday. We both know what I'm having, but I'm going to have to have a look at the menu. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's just us British people in a nutshell. Yeah. We know yeah. what we're having, but we're going to look at the menu anyway. We know we want dessert before we even sit down. There is a protocol that you must, you must exactly. partake in, you know, you've got things to do, you've got to make sure that, you know, you, you close down your menu when you finish looking so everybody knows that you have finished the cursory glance at the menu and yep. the will come over and interact with you and Always you'll do something. Awful... You know? Yeah, exactly. Anyway, British people are rubbish. I yes. could go on about it for ages. I know, honestly, I know. Do you know what, we've been talking for like ages. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. I'm no, don't happy. even apologise. It's amazing. It's so good just to be able to talk and mm. naturally talk. I don't like doing proper, like, scripted interviews and chats and stuff. I don't believe in that. I think it seems so forced and so unnatural. People just get yeah, awkward. I'd rather yeah. just talk and then just kind of follow wherever the conversation goes and just let it flow. Really? It's lovely. It's lovely to talk about both horror films, but also other stuff outside of horror films. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, I have gone on quite a bit. So I'm aware that no, I do. Absolutely. I do. do you know what? Don't even apologise because I am, I'm just the same. I, I can talk for hours and not even realise that I've been talking mm. for hours. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Likewise. It's, it's nice. I feel like I've, I've been out to see a friend. Yeah. Oh, it's Fairly lovely. socialised. Yes, feel very so very sociable now. I've done my socialising for a week. That's me done now. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much. That was a lovely opportunity. It's nice to talk no to you. No worries. No worries. Thank you so much for your time, and I'm sorry for taking so much of it. Not at all. Not at all. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Yes, you Enjoy too. what's left of your baked goods. Speak there soon. isn't much left, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll have to make some more. I'm going to need to make more. But Do. I will. Have a lovely evening, Charlie. You too. Bye. Take care. Bye.